Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Wednesday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. And of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at Dancing Rabbit Golf to book your tea time today. Dancing Rabbit Golf, part of Pearl River Resorts. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, we'd love for you to join us on the Ceasefire text line 601 879 4395. 601 879 4395. Connect and protect from Ceasefire. It's the plan that your kids want and the protection that you know that they need. Learn more online at ceasefire.com. We got our first college football playoff poll last night. So there is that. We are a day closer to a big college football weekend. We've got midweek action going on. I couldn't quite figure out why when I opened Twitter X at about about 6.15 this morning that my timeline was littered with news about the Raiders firing their coach, and I was like, they must have done this in the middle of the night. And then I looked at the timestamp on it, and it was like, this was four hours ago. And I was like, oh, they really did this in the middle of the night. And I'm talking about cleaned house. Yeah. Clean house. Every. It's the right or way. I mean, every's probably a stretch. Who knows what assistants are elsewhere, but I, I think Belichick's wins and records should not be taken away from him because he had a good quarterback. What coach wins without one? But the Belichick tree looks like crap without Tom Brady. Yeah, it does. It really does. The results on the field for the Patriots without Tom Brady, not very good. And the uh, the guys that have branched out and tried to coach elsewhere without Tom Brady, uh, not not really so good. I mean, there are a few exceptions, but not not a ton. So I don't know. I guess I guess it worked okay for Bill O'Brien for a little while, but ultimately he was fired too. So he was, you know, ultimately. Sports Talk Mississippi, we've got guests coming your way this afternoon. We're going to talk with Bill Bender 
Uh, we'll get some of his thoughts on the uh, the situation that is ongoing at Michigan, but we'll also talk some football with him as there are some big matchups, big matchups in college football this weekend. We also will um, uh, we'll talk some uh, Ole Miss, Texas A&M. We'll talk some Mississippi State, Kentucky. Just a ton to get to. Yeah, I was talking to Haydad this morning uh, after we hung up with our call uh, just to make sure that uh, he was prepared. He's got two segments today, Richard, previewing the governor's debate tonight. Two segments right. does Brian Haydad previewing the debate tonight. Do you want to go ahead and start with one of those, or have we taken up too much time kind of introducing the show that we're not giving you the full allotted amount of time? He, he did so much prep on, on debate content that I think we should wait to start a fresh segment. We're three minutes into this one, and I don't, I don't want to cut into his time. Webster's Dictionary defines a debate <laughs> as... Two or more yeah. people <laughs> with opposing viewpoints... Yeah. yeah. Who, uh, yeah. But yeah. neither have any answers. So, Yeah. Six, six days away from the election. I'm sure most people don't have their mind made up by now. Probably a good time <laughs> to uh, get together and square off and really get those ideas out there for everybody to sort through. I'm proud to announce that I will be watching basketball tonight instead of the governor's debate. All right. First college football playoff poll is out. Let's talk about what the committee did. And uh, it was interesting to me, Borky, uh, in a note here, says, I, I think they did fine. I don't really disagree with anything. Uh, Ohio State, the number one team to, uh, to start things out, they've got collectively the two best wins of anybody this year. Right, the the resume, and I know like the Notre Dame game looked the way it did, and they scored a touchdown on the final play when Notre Dame had ten guys on the field. Like I, I know how that game looked, but they do have a win at Notre Dame and a win over Penn State. And I know Wisconsin's not great, but they did go beat Wisconsin and Madison uh, by a couple of scores on Saturday. They they haven't been the most quote unquote impressive team. I think it's been Michigan, frankly, despite the schedule being weaker. But the resume belongs to Ohio State. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, but I'm not sure how you can say Michigan's been the most impressive when they really haven't played anybody for the entire year. And yeah. Ohio State has done what you just said they've done. They've won on the road against Notre Dame. They won on the road against Wisconsin. And they won at home against Penn State. I mean, that's... You know, that's two wins against teams that were in the top ten at the time that they played them. Now, is Notre Dame a top ten team? No, no. They're pretty good. Is Penn State a top ten team? It's probably up for debate. We'll see how it plays out when it's all said and done. So Ohio State won Georgia two. And by the way, the top five are all undefeated. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington. Georgia at two. I might argue Florida State too. I would hear that argument and support it, honestly. They've got one of the best wins in any of anybody this year with their season opening victory against LSU. They have a road win against Clemson, and that was before Clemson had lost four conference games. They've got a complete win against Virginia Tech. 
and a pretty dominating win against Duke a couple of weeks ago. And I mentioned Virginia Tech because Virginia Tech's playing well as of late. Like, that's the only loss for Virginia Tech out of their last four games. They've, what, three of the last four. And if you try Um, to ignore, and it's impossible to do it, but if you try to ignore the last two years and just look at this Georgia team and this Georgia resume, they're undefeated, they're very talented, but they haven't quote-unquote impressed in part because of what the resume says they are. Yeah, I mean, the the most... Hey, that isn't the most impressive win so far for Georgia, just absolutely demolishing Kentucky. Yes, and as we've learned over the past few weeks, Kentucky is not that great a team, so it, it's it's really not a, an impressive win at all when you really get down to it. If they do to Missouri what the odds makers say they're about to do to Missouri, then all of that, they're not impressive stuff out the window, I think. Yeah, I agree. Hey, quick peek ahead. What's the line going to be next? If, and and I mean, this is something we're going to talk about this afternoon. There are a lot of people that are doing the foregone conclusion thing about Ole Miss and Texas A&M, and that feels like a really bad plan because this is a big, important game against a really talented team. But if Ole Miss were to beat Texas A&M this weekend and were were to go to Athens 8-1, and what's the line on that game? Twelve and a half. I was gonna say ten and a half. <laughs> that that's really funny because the number I had in my mind was eleven and a half. It was eleven and a half. Yeah, yeah. So somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know there are a lot of people that have said this over the last couple of weeks, and and it makes sense. We looked at Georgia's schedule at the beginning of the year, and everybody was like, they're not going to be tested the entire season. And now they've got this this three-game stretch. I mean, if you want to say four-game stretch and include Florida in it last week, but that's not right. Take Florida out of it. they got a three-game stretch against top 20 opponents. Two of them are at home with Missouri and Ole Miss, and then they go to Knoxville. That's enough of a test for Georgia over over that three-week stretch. If they navigate that three-week stretch without a blemish, then – they deserve to be at the top of the poll. I, now, I agree with that. I don't think I can disagree. Yeah, I mean, if I... But then Ohio State would have a win over Michigan. I, I was going to say, I was looking at the... Yeah, that's really all that's left for Ohio State. They go to Rutgers, which could be tricky. Then it's Michigan State and Minnesota. Then they go to Michigan to close it out. Gross. Yeah. That's so gross. Yeah. Um. All right, so Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State. Do you think that, because the committee answered, they, they were asked about does the Michigan sign-stealing scandal, and now the depth of it is just unreal. Uh, does that impact your rankings? And they said, no, that's an NCAA issue, not in a college football playoff issue. That had no bearing on our decision. Do you think it should in any way at all? By any percentage. Before I answer whether or not I think it should, I do think that was the right answer from the college football playoff committee. And if I'm on the college football playoff committee and I'm making that decision, no, I'm not I'm not factoring it in. I'm factoring it in based on what I've seen on the field until I'm told otherwise. Like, it can't even be like a subconscious factor. It... it, it 
until either the NCAA or the Big Ten hands down something, no, it's not a factor. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports Talk Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Wayne and Brandon says, Richard, the guy said you took off to get ready for Halloween. What did you go as? I, I didn't dress up, Dwayne. Not a not a big dress up Halloween guy, but um, my wife, I, I, like I was on board with it. I'm not like laying it off on her, but she decided that she wanted us to host a Halloween party for like everybody in our neighborhood. And so my job was to kind of help get ready for that and had a bunch of stuff to cook and help set up and get the yard ready. And also got a trailer to pull to load all the little people on to kind of take them around the neighborhood. So had like a 16 foot trailer that was loaded down with hay bales and the kids kind of climbed on and off. It was, it was fun. Yeah, that's how it should be done. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really cool. James got a glow stick from one house, and he he was you think oh it's cool. He got a glow stick, and he liked it for a second, but he was like, "Daddy, I can't eat this." <laughs> so there's enough in that basket that you can't <laughs> yeah. eat. You're gonna be all right. You'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Dad tax was strong yesterday. Really? He's four. Got, he doesn't need all that. Did I don't you either, just pull though. it out, or did you immediately start eating it? Oh, uh, it was after, you know, took the bag, you know, he, night was over, whatever, and then I sat down and put on a show called The Hunters, which, you know, doesn't matter, but I ate probably half of the candy acquired oh, watching that show last night. That's rough. Yeah, I didn't feel great this left for you, right? Your, your, your kids have grown out of trick-or-treating age, haven't they? Yeah, so I just grabbed some candy that we were handing out to the other kids. You taxed the, the consumers. It's beautiful. Exactly. Beautiful. Uh, walking through the college football rankings, which uh, came out last night. Washington at number five, given the way they've played the last couple of weeks, I think that's the right spot for them. Um, I do have this question. Given their win against Oregon, if they had not beaten Arizona State 15-7 to and Stanford 42-33, to let, let's say that it had been 38-13 to over Arizona State and then they had beaten Stanford, I don't know, 42-20, to 42-17, to would that have been enough to have Washington higher than fifth? Or are they the fifth best team out of these top five that we're looking at. Yeah, play. I thought about that. I thought that 
if if the rankings had come out after the Oregon Washington game, Washington might have been two, might have even been one because you wouldn't have had Ohio State Penn State at that point yet. Yeah. I guess the thing. That so yeah, I think I think the style is, points count. Yeah, I guess I was just saying maybe the thing that we have to remember is it's going to play out because there's still a bunch of games left and a bunch of big, important games left. So I don't envy what they could possibly face. Let's pretend for – I mean, college football is always chaotic, but let's pretend there's not chaos. I mean, this scenario is totally plausible, right? Ohio State beats Michigan in the – it beats Michigan, wins the Big Ten. So the winner of that game, take your pick, but let's call it Ohio State for the sake of argument. Ohio State beats Michigan. Georgia beats Alabama. Florida State wins the ACC over whoever – that they have to face. Winner of Washington and Oregon don't lose another game besides the Washington and Oregon game, and the winner of Texas and Oklahoma don't lose again besides their uh, upcoming meeting. What do you do? So, so in that scenario, you're saying which one-loss team is the fourth team? So if Georgia Ohio gets State in because they don't lose. And Ohio State Georgia's in undefeated. Florida State is in undefeated. Michigan lost one game to Ohio State. Oregon lost one game. It was in the regular season to Washington, and then they avenged that on the road too. In the in the Pac two championship game, and Texas avenges their one loss to Oklahoma in the Big Twelve championship game, and finishes with one loss. That's a great question. What do you do? Because all that's entirely possible. It almost never happens that way, but it certainly could. Well, okay. Let's the say, first, like, what, what what I do is I let the games play out because it never happens. <laughs> yeah, this is hypothetical of hypotheticals. The first thing I do is I bounce Michigan out of the conversation. And you say, "Well, Richard, they only had one loss." Yeah, they had a bad schedule all season long, and then they lost their final regular season game when they were finally tested. I mean, I guess there would be a win against Penn State in there, but. Hey, go figure. Penn State with two more losses to Ohio State and Michigan when it's all said and done. So I would I would bounce. So so my decision would be between Oregon and Texas. I would give Oregon the nod over Washington because they would have won that game on a neutral site in the rematch, as opposed to Washington getting a home win by a field goal and the eye test. Um, and then Texas. I'm pretty sure Oregon would be my fourth. I can see that. Yeah. That actually leads beautifully into the the next question that I was going to ask you guys. All right, so there's a big group with one loss here. That's seven and one. Starting with number six and going down through number 13. Oregon... Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Penn State, Missouri, Louisville. I think Oregon is the best one-loss team right now. They just really look the part to me. They're physical. They run it well. Bo Nix is playing at a really high level. they got playmakers all over the place. I don't know what Quinn Ewer's health is right now. Are those one-loss teams slotted appropriately? 
I, I have no issue with the first three with Oregon, Texas, Alabama. My question probably would come more with 9, 10, 11, 12, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, Penn State, Missouri. It's tough with Oklahoma being behind Texas, who they beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I hate that. I, but, uh, but at the same time, I'm, I'm one of these truthers, I guess, that, that would tell you that I think Texas is better than Oklahoma, even though they lost to Oklahoma. And I think yeah. if they have a rematch, Texas will win. Luckily, we're going to get that. that. That saves the committee a little bit here. But I'm with you. What's the point of playing games if the, the results of those games are not going to matter? But they're going to see each other again, and it's fine. I'm actually really, really okay with all this. There is uh, one debate, though, in SEC land about rankings. Missouri ahead of LSU. And the obvious answer was, well, LSU has two losses. Missouri has one. Yeah, but look at what LSU's two losses are. Missouri hasn't played Ole Miss. Missouri hasn't played Florida State. And I know that's hypothetical, but they wouldn't win both of those games. LSU went to Missouri and beat them by a couple of scores. And they're ranked behind Missouri. I actually see the and LSU again, fan side of this. I think that they are better and they should be ranked ahead of Missouri despite the record being one loss worse. All right, so you've got eight one-loss teams there in a row, six through 13 in the rankings. There's only one other one-loss team that is in the top 25. That's Tulane down at number 24. you got the five undefeated teams at the top. You have one more undefeated team in Air Force down at 25. So it really is a good question. LSU is the highest-ranked two-loss team at number 14. Would you rank LSU above any of the one-loss teams? They're two spots behind Missouri who they beat. I would put them ahead of both Missouri and Louisville, and frankly, I think if LSU lined up across the field from Penn State, they would beat them like a drum. I don't think you can put them ahead of Ole Miss because they just – Ole Miss won the head-to-head, but right. that's your same argument. Well, I guess LSU won the head-to-head with Missouri. LSU beat Missouri on the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I would absolutely put LSU ahead of Louisville and Missouri right now, and frankly, I think that they are better than Penn State, too. But that's a lot of teams with one loss to jump. Yeah. Do you think Oklahoma's better than Ole Miss? Slash Penn State, no. slash Missouri, slash Louisville? I don't. I think Ole Miss is better than all of those teams you just listed. But Oklahoma did beat Texas at a neutral site. They did. They did. They did. So I'm not, I wouldn't argue against somebody that thinks that this is appropriate. I think it's totally fine. But are, if they played each other. Are all of the eight one-loss teams... Ranked six through thirteen. I'll just think about this during the break. Are all eight of those teams still alive for one of the four playoff spots? We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports Talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
go through the one-loss teams in the college football playoff ranking in that 6 through 13 slot one by one, and you tell me if they have uh, – like there's there's an element of objective and subjective in this question. Because the question, as I posed it before the break, was do all eight of them still have the opportunity to play themselves – I'm not even phrasing the question the same way. Can they play themselves in still? So Oregon at seven and one, can they still play themselves in? Yes. Yes, because one of Ohio State or Michigan is going to lose. Guaranteed loss there. Texas. And, and yes. Look, we understand that for all of these there has to be some level of help that happens. Mm-hmm. Like they have to have a look, like right. other stuff has to happen. Except for what other stuff is going to happen. Yeah, Oregon may be the only one. Maybe Texas, maybe Alabama that completely control their own destiny. Alabama uh, one loss SEC champions getting in. Guaranteed. So, yes, Alabama still controls their own destiny. Simply winning the remaining games on the schedule and the conference championship game is enough. So, Oregon can do it. Texas, maybe. Alabama, yes, Mm -hmm. because that would include a win against Georgia. Georgia, yeah. It would also include a win against LSU. Mm-hmm. And so Alabama on its resume would have a win against Ole Miss, a win against LSU, a win against Georgia, and their one loss would be to Texas. It's a pretty good resume. Yeah. Oklahoma. Without help, no. They've got Bedlam this weekend. And then they finish up with, like, I had it up just saying there. TCU's their last game. West Virginia, BYU, TCU. And then they would beat Texas, most likely, in the Big 12 championship game. One loss, Oklahoma, with two wins over Texas. is They got, they got a good chance. Ole Miss. They would have a chance. They would need help. Ole Miss would have Ole Miss to have needs, help. This is the first one that needs like help from more than one place, because they need they they have to beat Georgia. Then they would need. You know what they need? They need Alabama Alabama. not to lose again. That's what they need. Well, no, no, they need Alabama to lose to LSU, and then they would win. They could win the West. So then they would have to beat Georgia but twice. Then they would have to turn around and beat Georgia again uh, in the Georgia SEC twice, championship yeah. game. So, so you need you need is, Georgia, you need Georgia to play Alabama, beat Alabama. So now you have two loss Alabama, then you have Georgia and Ole Miss both sitting there with one loss. But Georgia has lost to Ole Miss. But they're the SEC champs. I don't know. If, I don't know if two SEC teams could get in. Maybe easier, but the more direct path is just to win the SEC. Isn't the only way to get to win is if Alabama runs the table, beats Georgia after you beat Georgia, handing them their second loss and eliminating them? That would be better, yeah. 
That might be better. Two SEC West teams in there. Or, or Alabama doesn't lose again. They beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, giving Georgia its only loss. And then you have two one-loss SEC teams in Alabama and Georgia that get in. Yeah. But even then they would still need help. I mean, that's what's... What's so sad about the Pac-12 disbanding is they've got the year where as long as nothing crazy happens, they're guaranteed a team in the playoff, and then poof, they're uh, they're gone. But yeah, because a lot of Ole Miss fans are, and and of course they are. They should. I mean, you're you're seven and one with with A and M coming to town, and and yes, it's going to be a difficult game. But fans' future tripping is not going to impact the results of the game. I, I hate that stuff. It's I got a, a DM from somebody that didn't like. Something that I said in the podcast, he was like, we really need to focus on A&M. And I was like, man, what you focus on will not impact the Texas A&M this week, game this weekend. Talk about Georgia if you want to. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but, the, I mean, th- they're going to get a free shot. If they take care of business Saturday, they're going to get a free shot w- with a game after Georgia that they don't have to try in. And no, I'm not talking about the Egg Bowl. I'm talking about Louisiana Monroe. Yeah. So of course, fans are going to wonder, you know, you know, what is it going to take uh, to get there, and it you, you obviously have to beat Georgia. Um, who would you rather lose? You, you would rather Oregon lose again? Who would you rather lose in the Pac-12? You would rather Oregon lose another conference game mm-hmm. and then beat Washington in the Big Twelve in the yeah. Pac-12 championship game. It'd be great if Michigan would lose to Penn State and then Ohio State beat them. Just get them out. Just get them out of your way. This can go so many different. Let's finish these last three teams that are one loss. Can they do it? Penn State? I don't think yeah. they can do it without help. Going to need some you, serious well, help. No, they can. Well, if they beat Michigan, they're a one loss. They can be a one-loss uh, Big Ten team. Same sort of same thing with Ole Miss that we're talking about. Okay, they have one loss and they've beaten Michigan. They'll be all you, right. All right. So we 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 said Texas, Alabama, Oklahoma, or Oregon, Texas, Alabama could get to the playoff without any help. You know the other team that could? Missouri. Yeah. Missouri has Georgia on the road this weekend. Tennessee at home, Florida at home, Arkansas at home. Missouri control their only loss is to LSU, who was in the West. If Missouri beats Georgia and doesn't lose again, they're going to the SEC championship game. Yep. They win the SEC championship game against Alabama. In. That's a playoff they're resume. In. Yeah. Yeah, they're in. They would have one loss. By 10 to LSU, and it was 10 because of one of the greatest backdoor covers of all time, depending on which side you were on. Smiling when I say it, you know. Um, now, that said, I kind of think Missouri's losing to I, – I think they're losing to Georgia, which gives them two losses. Now, I don't know about that Tennessee game. All I know is the last time Tennessee went to Columbia, Missouri, the only reason they stopped scoring was because the clock went to zeros. Because Missouri hadn't stopped them yet. But Tennessee scored 66? Like 66 to 17 or something like that from two years ago? Not that that matters. It's just kind of hanging there in my head. 
fun finish. It's a lot to be decided over the next four weeks, next five weeks. Yeah. Starting with this Saturday. And you, and you, and you get to start kind of eliminating teams. Now, let's, do, let's take this one step farther. If it were a 12-team playoff. <laughs> Have you seen it? Here's what it would be. Yeah, it would be Ole Miss at Texas, right? Yeah, so Ohio State, Georgia, Washington, Florida State would be the, in, as it's set up now, the conference champions that get a bye. And by the way, the format next year is going to change. It's not going to be the top six conference champions getting in. With the Pac-12 disbanding, I promise you, Greg Sankey, and who, I forget the name of the commissioner of the Big Ten, not going to let whatever the Pac-12 becomes automatically get a, a playoff bid. Tony Petito. Tony Petito. There's no way they're going to sit at this table and say, yeah, the Mountain West merging with Washington State and Oregon State is equal to us. Nope. There is no way they let that happen. Zero percent chance. But for now... You're going to get five. You're going to get four conference champions. mm -hmm. SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12. You're going to get one, the highest-ranked group of five champion. And I'm cool with that. I, I like it. I know some people don't. I, I, I'm fine with it. Doesn't bother me. I go back and forth on it. I think. I think deep down, I don't love it, but I'm okay with it. Because I mean, that's going to be what Tulane or Air Force this year? Tulane or Air Force? Right now, it would yeah. be Tulane. So on the Ohio State side, uh, you would have Oklahoma at Alabama in Tuscaloosa. In Tuscaloosa, winner goes to the Cotton Bowl. Holy cow. Tulane at Michigan. That one, you know, loses its luster, but Tulane did beat USC last year. Winner faces Washington in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, okay. Penn State at Oregon. Winner faces Florida State in the Orange Bowl. Ooh. And uh, Ole Miss at Texas. Winner faces Georgia in the Peach Bowl. That's seen. I probably watch some of those games. Texas would be. Would you? Just a few. I might tune in for a couple of them. <sighs> Oklahoma in Tuscaloosa with a trip to play Ohio State on the line. And we've seen Oklahoma Alabama in recent years. That's fun. Yeah. That's yeah. fun. Hey, we've been fantasizing about this for a long time. It's now just a year away. One year from now, that's mm-hmm. what. If if these are the rankings a year from now, we're talking about Ole Miss in the playoff. Yep. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. More Sports Talk Mississippi now. Now. Got to tell you guys, cast came off this morning. Fr- hey, Franny's, Franny's cool. done with the cast. She went from from grade three elbow fracture to no cast in less than four weeks. Wow! <laughs> oh, to be young again, right? I mean, the the, the healing. What's, what's Hunter Elliott's youth. problem? Ooh. Get out there and pitch, kid. Mm. Eight year old did it. <laughs> Slightly different injury, I think, but a little, but, little different. But, but, but it's yeah. in the same area. 
Same general area. Uh, ben on the ceasefire text line. Guys, take it from a D2 fan. With Division II having a full playoff system, multiple rounds like D1 is going to kind of, when you have crazy upsets and people see how awesome it is, people will love and they will ask that it be expanded. To me, the playoffs make games and winning mean more because to get in, you have to win almost every game. Look at the team records, no more than maybe two losses. The possibilities will spark interest. Yeah, the the Barrett Salis of the world that think this ruins the regular season, it's just so foolish because now if you look at the slate this weekend, how many more games truly actually matter? Like, I know for Ole Miss fans, this is a massive game for a lot of reasons. We'll talk about it for the rest of the week. It's a huge game. Nationally, though? No, it's not. Not yet, anyway. Ole Miss Georgia will get a lot of interest if Ole Miss gets past A&M, but, but nationally, it's not playoffs are on the line here. Nobody thinks that. But if the ranking comes out last night, and then people across the country look at the rankings and say, oh, shoot, Ole Miss, A&M could ruin Ole Miss's chance at the playoff. Coming right out of college game day, i got to see that. The stakes, the increased stakes increase interest. It's not like... Unranked teams have something to play for this weekend. But outside of Mississippi, Ole Miss, Texas A&M is just going to be a nice thing to put on after game day when you're cleaning up around the house. Next year, this exact game is, ooh, playoff on the line. Something spicy there. Yeah, and and, and you have playoff elitists, right? I mean, your boy Barrett, hey, Dad, wants us to go back to the BCS system. He wants just two teams yeah. to play one game to crown a national championship. It doesn't even like the four-team playoff. I'm like, oh, you're going to get blowouts. Oh, you're going to minimize the importance of the regular season. I, like, I don't understand the logic behind you're going to minimize the importance of the regular season. Now, does it change? Yeah, it does. Because you're not dead after one loss. How's that minimizing the importance of the regular season? That it, turns it minimizes basically the, the every game in November into like this is the biggest thing ever. Sorry, go ahead. It, it minimizes the importance for like the truly elite teams. Like it, when Michigan and Ohio State come into the game up both eleven or no, then they both know they're going to the playoffs. So yeah, I mean, there's the pride of winning the Big Ten, but at the end of the day. Would you sacrifice winning the Big Ten to win the national championship? Yes, you would. But the winner so, gets a bye. That the winner does get a bye, but I mean, I mean, are they? I guess they would because yeah, it depends on the new setup, right? They just seed them. They don't do conference champions get buys. I think the conference champions are still going to get buys. There's just going to be fewer of them to give mm-hmm. out. I think. So it's not going to happen immediately. Because nothing ever happens immediately. We always have to take baby steps. I think where this ultimately ends up is at 16 with no first-round buys. And you'll have eight on-campus games, and then you roll forward. Now, there are people who go, well, that's way too many. And maybe it is. It's only four more teams. It's all right. I mean, do you know how... How engaged the entire college football landscape would be through the championship games? 
Because there's so many teams that would be in the mix. If you had 16 teams getting into a playoff, and I, I know we, 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 we begged and pleaded for an expanded playoff, and now here you are already asking for more. I, I'm not trying to do that. I just kind of think that ultimately that's where it ends up because this is going to be so wildly successful. What I'd love to see is we get two two rounds of games on campuses. To me, that's the first and most important thing. Is it both those first-round games and those quarterfinal games are on campus? And then you just ex- – that I mean, really be cool if you had two rounds on campus with 16 teams. But whatever. Maybe I'm asking for too much now. Going to enjoy it as it is. But if you had 16 spots going into the final weekend of the regular season, how many teams would be in the mix for those 16 spots? 22? 24? I mean, going into that final weekend, what, if there were 16 spots, you probably would have 10 pretty much locked up? And you had six spots with 12 or 14 teams playing for them? Oh, my goodness, that'd be insane. That would be insane. Farm Bureau guest line when we start the 4 o'clock hour at Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. Welcome back. Four o'clock hour with you. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, home team Mississippi Farm Bureau. Ryan Black joins us right now, covers the Kentucky Wildcats for the Courier Journal. And, um, Ryan, appreciate a, a few minutes of your time. This is um, the, the game this weekend between Kentucky and Mississippi State. So it's a series where the home team has dominated for a really long time, and it hasn't seemed to matter what the records are, but things have really gone south in Starkville, and things aren't nearly as rosy as they were in Lexington just a couple of weeks ago. So, so what gives this Saturday? Well, yeah. Thanks for having me on. You know, first off, you know, I mean, I, I've I've been very uh, I've been very sticking to my picks. You know, I, I did like a picks column at the beginning of the year, and every game that I picked, I've remained the same. And, and this one was one where you know, I know even though history has told me differently, I did pick Kentucky simply because of, of Mississippi State. You know, kind of coming into this first season, and you know, without without Mike Leach. Um, but you know, I know, hey, I know right now that Kentucky is slightly favored. Um, you know, I would not at all be surprised. Obviously, if Mississippi State wins, but I think the fact that even though Kentucky didn't win last week, that they had their best game offensively, at least through the air. And I know that's an area where Mississippi State struggled a little bit this season. So I think 
you know, push comes to shove and you ask me for a pick, I think I think Kentucky's going to win Saturday. But I certainly won't be surprised if, if they lose their seventh straight in Starkville either. <laughs> yeah. So, so I wanted to ask you about Devin Leary because, yeah. I mean, last week clearly the best game that he's had throwing the football. It it looked like he was comfortable as well. And in fact, I think there's an argument to be made that both Leary and Milton played their best games of the season and kind of looked the yeah. best at the, at the quarterback spot. What was different for for Devin Leary and and for the Kentucky offense last week? You know, to me, even though Leary and and the coaches, I mean, they've said that oh he was healthy this whole time and this that and the other. You know, I, I think that's that's maybe not completely accurate. You know, I don't think you ever want to use an injury as an excuse. But, you know, he he's been a guy who's been injury prone. You know, his whole career. There's a reason that he's he's at Kentucky now as it is. I mean, he had a season-ending injury at, at NC State last year. And they end up moving on without him. But I, I like to, I, I would I put it this way: I don't think he would be at Kentucky had that injury not not occurred. You know, and it was to his his throwing shoulder. You know, which uh, to a quarterback is a pretty pretty doggone important you know part of your arsenal when you're throwing the ball. Uh, if you put that part aside, what I would also say that I thought really helped last week was there were times in these previous games with Leary this year where it, it seems like he would he would get the ball and he would think way too much about where it needs to go. And last week it was just like, hey, if you watch that game, you saw he was getting the ball out, I mean, almost as quickly as he was getting the snap. And so I think they kind of streamlined things slightly during that bye week, maybe made things a little less, uh, you know, wordy and complicated in terms of, of the terminology, and that, that really helped him a lot. But in the same game there, uh, Ryan, Ray Davis, who's been so good for Kentucky this yeah. year, wasn't his usual self against Tennessee. You know, what does Kentucky have to do to be more balanced and to get big games out of both Leary and Davis? Well, I, I would say that, that to do that, they need to be able to basically establish, I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive, they need to establish the path early. Because, you know, it was something that was being talked about yesterday when we met with Liam Cohen and offensive players was the very first play of the game for Tennessee's defense, they basically had nine in the box and basically said, okay, well, you know, Ray Davis might be the leading rusher in the SEC, but we're going to see if Kentucky can throw the ball. And so I think that kind of gave any future teams a blueprint that, like, hey, you know, make make Kentucky pass the ball. And so I think that's why, you know, to be able to get a balanced effort from both the run and the pass, you know, Kentucky needs to come out firing, you know, on, on, you know passing the ball, and then that should open up running lanes where, you know, teams just can't stuff the box against Ray Davis. Is it that simple with, with kind of defensive scheme and saying we are taking away the run? I mean, watching Ray Davis throughout the course of this season, as big as he is, you almost get a little surprised with his ability to run away from people. It's been really, really good so far. Yeah, you know, and I think another thing that we didn't touch on with him is, is he's been such an incredibly gifted pass catcher as well. You know, he actually leads the team in touchdown receptions this year of five. So, I mean, I, I think that's the thing is that even these games where he hasn't had, quote-unquote, a great rushing day, he's usually also found ways to contribute in, in the passing game. So uh, I guess that's the thing. You know, he's not a running back where you say, okay, well, if we shut him down running the ball, we, we've completely taken him out of the game plan because he's been such a big part of Kentucky's passing game this fall. Where's the mindset right now, Ryan, for Kentucky fans? So the the, the Georgia game, okay, splash cold water on it. But yeah. to me, the the Missouri loss was the one that was kind of sobering, where Missouri just just pounded Kentucky in that ball game. And then last week, it was like, okay, maybe it kind of came back a little bit and they played well. Where, where are the fans right now? Well, 
you, you know, I mean, obviously the Georgia loss was a very sobering one. Because, I mean, obviously, you know, Kentucky was not given a lot of chance to win that game. But I think the fan, the fan base at least expected that, hey, Kentucky's going to make it competitive. They're going to equip themselves well. And that obviously did not happen when you get beat 51-13. The, the Missouri game, as you mentioned, was a much bigger shock. Because that game uh, was so, so similar to the Florida game in that Kentucky got out to a quick start. Ray Davis looked like he might have another 200, you know, 250-yard rushing game uh, after going up 14-0, and then the, you know, the script just flipped, and Missouri came back, and Kentucky had no answers, no answers. Got, got outscored 38-7 in the final three quarters, and, and I think that was a game where, uh, you know, we'd heard all off season that last season they did not respond well to adversity. Well, that was the first real bout of adversity this year, and, and, and they did not respond well. And then, you know, the Tennessee game, you know, that's one of those games where Kentucky fans have been conditioned to lose that game. You know, they've only won that four times, I believe, since 1980. So uh, they kind of expect that, you know, more often than not, Tennessee's going to have their number. Um, so I would just say that, obviously, well, you know, the, the expectation now is a bowl game, at least every year. Uh, I, I think that, hey, you know, this is a pretty tough closing stretch Kentucky's got coming up, and and they just don't want to somehow go from five and zero to five and seven come the end of the season. We sort of thought Kentucky had established this identity after the after the Florida game of this really physical punch you in the mouth team, and mm-hmm. you know, I was looking forward to that game with Georgia to see how they would react. These last three games, they haven't looked like a Mark Stoops coach team. They haven't had that physicality and that edge that they normally play with. Is that something you're noticing as well? And what does Stoops have to say about the way his team has played in these three games? Yeah, I mean, I would say that it's more so that especially in that Georgia game and the Missouri game, they were so incredibly undisciplined, you know, in terms of penalties. I mean, there were multiple personal foul penalties against Georgia that were just stupid, senseless after the play. You know, there was no reason for it. And then, I mean, you guys may or may not have seen this stat, but they had more penalty yards against Missouri of 122 than they did passing yards, which was like 120, which is a pretty crazy stat for any team, right? To have more penalty yards in the game than passing yards, unless you're maybe one of the military academies. But uh, I think that that's really (laughs) been the biggest, uh, the biggest kind of frustration for Stoops and the coaching staff has been that they've just been so undisciplined all season when it comes to penalties. Now, last week they only had four penalties for 21 yards against Tennessee, so that kind of was viewed as a step in the right direction. But I think week to week that's just been a consistent theme that's been unbelievably irritating for, for like the Stoops and the staff. They just cannot seem to get out of their own way when it comes to committing penalties. Ryan, you said a second ago that, you know, Ray Davis with the five touchdown catches leads the team. Yep. I thought the trio of, of Barry and Brown and Robinson and Dane Key coming into this year was maybe one of the better trios of receivers in the SEC. Have those guys been good enough? <laughs> well, I, I guess relative to expectations, no. No, I mean, to put it, put it, put it, put it, to put it pretty plainly. Uh, and I've been surprised, you know, that, that Stoops has been pretty honest about the fact that, especially you're talking about Brown and, and Key, that they maybe listened a little too much to all of the hype that, that, mm. that came with them after last season. You know, that, uh, Barry and Brown obviously had a standout campaign, set the, the Kentucky freshman receiving record for yardage. And then Dane Key set the Kentucky freshman record for uh, touchdown reception. Uh, and I, I guess you know, all off season, that's all anyone wanted to talk about was man, Kentucky has two two sophomores, you know, who might be among the better receivers in the SEC. 
and, and again, as you kind of mentioned, they've not really quite lived up to that this season. You know, Key just came off his best game, not just of the season, but of his career in terms of catches and, and yards. Robinson's a little bit of a different story because, you know, he was the guy who came in last season and was supposed to be, you know, maybe not replacing Wandale Robinson because that, that's a little unfair to put on one guy, but he was supposed to help lessen the blow of that. And he got off to a great start in non-conference play, and then once they got to SEC games, he completely disappeared. And it's kind of been a little bit of the same story with him, again, this season so far. I mean, obviously he's still got, you know, a few more games to salvage that. But, yeah, there, there's no question that, uh, that Kentucky really thought that the receiving core was going to be much stronger, and they just have not performed relative to expectations so far. Ryan, really appreciate your time. Ryan Black covers Kentucky for the Courier, uh, Courier Journal. Uh, thanks so much. We'll, uh, we'll catch up again soon. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. appreciate it. Ryan Black joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you right after this. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Kentucky's loss to Tennessee, remember it was a 33-27 loss. There were two sequences in that game that Kentucky can point to where they kicked short field goals. So first and 10 from the 11-yard line into the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter. Incomplete pass on first down. Gain of a yard on the ground on second down. Incomplete pass on third down. Kick a field goal from the 10-yard line. They got to the 11. They gained a total of a yard and kicked a field goal. And then on Kentucky's last drive of the game, and at that point they were down, what, 33-24. So even a touchdown wouldn't have tied it. They were going to have to score twice. They've got it first and 10 at the Tennessee 18. They go incomplete. Second and 10, they pick up five. So they've got it third and five from the 13, false start. So now it's third and 10 from the 18, and they gain eight, and they get it down to the 10-yard line, but it's fourth and two, and you got to score twice. And so you kick the field goal again. So they twice had the ball down to the 10-yard line and came away with just six points, and they lose the game by a final of six points. They'll score touchdowns when you get in the red zone. Yep. Hey, Dad, what will, what will Mississippi State do strategically? You, you, you heard what Ryan said um, talking about Tennessee coming out of the gates with you know, nine guys in the box, nine guys within seven or eight yards of the line of scrimmage trying to force Kentucky to throw the football. Throwing the football has been an advantage for opponents this year against Mississippi State. 
do you come out and say, we're going to try and stop Ray Davis, or do you come out and say, we're not going to get beat through the air and then give a guy like Ray Davis, who's had a really good season, a chance to eat? I think you, I think you go the same route that uh, that Tennessee did. I think you you put the game into Leary's hands. He's had I mean he was good against Tennessee. Don't get don't get me wrong. Had a really good game, but that's the first time all year he's done that. So you ask can he you ask the question can he do it again? Um, you know Ray Davis has been good all year long. So I, if I'm Zach Arnett, yes, I definitely I'm going to play the defense in such a way that we're that we're going to be more concerned about the run than the pass. Start out for sure. But I, you know, with state secondary being such an issue, I don't know if that's the best strategy or not because they haven't been able to stop the pass. They're opposing quarterback seventy-two percent completion rate against Mississippi State this year. That's an incredible yeah. number. But at the same time, I don't trust state to be able to say, "Okay, we're going to focus on the pass and we're going to drop guys in the coverage," and still be able to stop the pass. So try to stop the run, I guess. Those three receivers we were talking about. Um, with Ryan a few minutes ago, Barry and Brown, in eight games, he's got 28 catches for 334 yards and two touchdowns. He does have a 99-yard kickoff return for a touchdown as well. Um, so he's averaging 12 yards a catch. Tavian Robinson, 26 catches for 371 and three touchdowns. He's averaging 14 a catch. And then Dane Key, 24 catches, 395, three touchdowns, 16 and a half yards per catch. And he referenced the game that that Key had last week against Tennessee, not just season high, but career high. He went for 113 yards against Tennessee last week. And then Jordan Dingle's a, a decent player at receiver as well. They don't have a Malik Neighbors. No. They don't have uh, an Xavier Leggett. Although Leggett's numbers have trended down over the last few They have dropped. They have dropped. Counterpoint. Either it is Western Michigan or Auburn. Right. Everybody's been successful passing against State this year outside of Southeast Louisiana. Arizona had a good day passing the ball. They just also made some mistakes and turned the ball over. LSU, Carolina, Milrow, they didn't throw it much, but he was very efficient. Jefferson, you know, is the one the one outlier, I guess, in there in the Power Five games. But I think we have since learned, you know, that offensively that team had a lot of issues, and I don't know how much how much effort they had either. See, I was trying to bring this thing up and talk about how it could go well and put a positive spin on it and create some light. And, and you guys just, I mean, just as fast as you can, just pour right back on top of it. Yeah. I'll be I'll be in a more positive mood Friday in Starkville. We'll be sitting there with Dr. Keenum. We'll be we'll be chopping it up. It'll be great. He's happy because we're not going to be there. That's right. I always enjoy visiting with Dr. Keenum. I know you do. And you're gonna you're gonna have Charlie on also, aren't you? Charlie Winfield will join me in the five o'clock hour. Uh, we'll talk a little bulldog nil. Very good. And Robbie Falk's going to come by for for a minute as well. Too. Yeah, I don't care about that. I do like Charlie though uh-huh. a lot. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. Sorry, that was just for your buddy Robbie. <laughs> just I mean, he's going to he's going to be. I'm going to get a text in a minute. Uh, you know, on that front, because uh, I'm curious to hear what 
what Charlie has to say, honestly. I, I will be checking that interview out. But I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. And I, I even talked to, I said something like this to, to Richard recently. I've talked to some friends about it. The, the messaging around NIL from Mississippi State, I think, needs to change. And here's what I mean by that. Everything I've seen is, oh, they're, they're fine. It's fine. NIL's fine. Got enough money. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. They're going to have to, regardless of what happens at head coach, completely retool a roster. They're losing a bunch of guys with eligibility issues, and also there's not issues with eligibility. They will no longer have eligibility, so they're gone. And they're also going to have to... Moving on to the next phases of their lives. Moving on to the next phases of their lives, some of which will be in football, some will not. But a lot of guys are gone, including quarterback. And you're not only going to have to try to retain some of the guys that have eligibility left, like Tulu, but there are positions where they clearly misevaluated some guys in the recruiting or talent acquisition phase. Forgive me for interrupting. Why is it such a foregone conclusion that Will Rogers is gone? Hey, Dad's been saying that since before the year started. I'm just well, believing my, Hey Dad, my, my reasoning. My reasoning for that has changed, though. I still think he's gone. My first thought back in August was he'll have a good season and go on to the NFL. Now it's he's going to go transfer to try to find an air raid system to get back into. Western Kentucky would be a, a spot I will have an eye on. Will Rogers is a really good college quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yes, Will Rogers is not an NFL quarterback. No, I don't. I don't. I, I I thought that this year he would have the opportunity that if he succeeded in this new system, he would be able to prove that he could play at the at the next level. He has not done that, so I have to agree with you. But so, so all of that's going to happen, and, and as I said the other day, and it's it's bears repeating that's expensive. If you're not going to just have what you have on your roster be your quarterback next year, the guy you're going to sign is expensive. You want to go get a linebacker? You want to know what the going rate of a rotational linebacker in the SEC is nowadays? It's six figures plus. The so, so there's a lot of money that, that is needed. And so what my messaging would be is, regardless of the situation, it's not enough. We need more. We're not okay. Well, that, that's, we need more. That would be my messaging. That's that's what's happening, though. State is doing a good job of raising funds. What the, when they say we're okay, it's to fight off the John Cohen-led narrative of state is doesn't have any nil money. What they're saying is we have the money to compete in the in the SEC. Can we compete with Alabama, Georgia, you know LSU? No, but can state compete in its neighborhood, the the bottom in half of the SEC? Yeah, with Ole Miss, you can, and it, yes. Do you think they are on par currently financially in NIL money with Ole Miss? I think that they are very competitive with where Ole Miss is. Yeah, I would be telling people the they opposite. Just, they they oh, just don't oh, they, they don't publicize it the same way that, because they but, don't they they Charlie has told me he prefers to you know I I, I keep everything close to the chest. Yeah, understand which that. I agree with. To be honest with you. Millions of dollars, millions, and and that that is not an exaggeration. Millions of dollars were raised on the back of Lane Kiffin telling Chris Lowe Auburn has more money than Ole Miss. Millions of dollars were were because of same, one. It was tweet. the same here with 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 what Cohen said on his way out the door, and the next day the the Bulldog Initiative had a record setting day. Just what a couple of months ago they announced they they they. Gotten about two million dollars worth of gifts 
And I, I was told that they held some of that back because they want to make another announcement down the road. Hmm. I would. It's it's different. Just different strokes for different folks. I would be telling people we got to retool the roster. And we don't have enough right now. We're not competitive at the moment with Ole Miss is what I would be saying to Mississippi State fans because nothing motivates State fans more Rookie than says telling he wants them to lie. I would if if the truth is that they're equal, I would lie He's a big and say liar. we're not. What was that, Hayden? He's a big liar. Ah. We'll talk a little Ole Miss and Texas A&M on the other side of this timeout. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl. Sports Talk Mississippi. Here's more. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. Time for us to go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Travis Brown joins us. He writes for the Bryan College Station Eagle. Talk a little about, about Ole Miss and, uh, and Texas A&M. Travis, thanks for a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Uh, let's start with, with Lane Kiffin's press conference from Monday, um, there was a lot of glowing praise that uh, felt like uh, there was some not-so-subtle subtext uh, there as well. How, how was that received in Aggieland? I mean, I think there's that little uh, little bit of, of, I don't know if feud's the right word, a little bit of back and forth. Lane, Lane Kiffin sure likes to take some pokes at Jimbo Fisher and has for a couple of years now. I, I don't think he is super well-received by the Aggie faithful here in Aggie land, but uh, for, for, for us innocent bystanders, it's, it's pretty humorous to watch the little bit of, of back and forth with you kind of have the, the, the representation of, of old-school coaching and old-school football and Jimbo Fisher, and you got the analytics and the – uh, everything else with Lane Kiffin. And, uh, so just, uh, yeah, the, the back and forth there is, is, is pretty fun to watch, but I, I think it's made, uh, Lane Kiffin not, not one of the more, uh, more happily received people in, in Aggieland. Travis, what, what's the temperature right now? Um, and I'm not talking thermometer. I mean, I'm talking about Jimbo. I, I know there are a lot of people that have, have grown weary of it. What would, if A&M were to lose this game to Ole Miss, where, where does this thing go? I mean, obviously everybody in college football is talking about, oh, the buyout's so big and A&M will come up with the money if they need to. It's a heck of a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, $76.8 million after this year if they were to uh, buy him out. Um, the, the way I, I wrap my head around this question is, What's what's the return on investment? You're going to spend over a hundred million just to get a guy to go away and bring in a new guy. And who out there right now is such a guarantee home run hire that AM can get that you know you can spend a hundred million dollars on that's going to ensure you uh, repeated trips to the college football playoff? It's just a stupid amount of money. I I, I don't think. I mean, unless, you know, they lose to Abilene Christian here in a couple weeks, I don't think Jimbo Fisher is losing his job this year because they have 
still most of that really great 2022 recruiting class coming back next year, namely Connor Wegman, who is hurt right now, but is going to come back and has proven that he can be one of the SEC's best quarterbacks. Uh, and so I think that there is some thought that you, you will need to keep the core of the staff around to keep continuity, to keep the majority of that class around because they have the talent to go out and win a lot of games next year. So, you know, if, if you really want to ask, yes, are people annoyed with Jimbo Fisher and some of his decisions some of his way he does things? Uh, yes. Do I think that when, when do I think that the seat will actually legitimately be hot? Look next year if there is another lackluster season and they lose to Texas. After that, then come back and circle around because I think that's when their temperature will really legitimately be turned up on Jimbo Fisher's job. All right, Travis, so I'm, I'm not being remotely combative when I ask this, but you said a second ago they'll have a lot of talent coming back next year. How's that different than, than this year and last year? I mean, this is a ridiculously talented roster. Sure, and just another year of experience. Um, you'll have Connor Wegman back, who's been hurt the, the entirety of the season, just about. That's that's one of the biggest X factors in all of this. Um, you'll have the majority of your wide receiver uh, core back and um, another year of the off- – really and truly most of this has hinged around the offensive line, poor offensive line play. Another year of continuity surely wouldn't hurt for a, a somewhat young offensive line. Um, so I, I think that experience is, is one thing, but I think a lot of it hinges on having Connor Wegman back and getting him through an entire uh, football season. Visiting with Travis Brown, covers Texas A&M at the Bryan College Station Eagle. You know, I look at this season for Texas A&M, and to me there's, there's the outlier, right? And, and that's the game against Miami um, where they just gave up a ton. Outside of that, the defense has been pretty good this year for, for A&M, giving up, what, about an average of about 20 points a game. What happened, in, in your mind, in that game against Miami? Uh, really poor tackling and a really, really good offensive game plan. Uh, Miami, in their scouting, believed that if you isolate A&M's defensive backs, uh, out and try to force them to open field tackle, get the ball away from that defensive front that's been so good um, that they would uh, be able to get some success, and that's exactly what they did. They 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 tapped into a, a little bit of a of a slow slow uh, gathering skill set with and, and just in open field tackling with that defensive secondary, and were able to march down the field uh, and and score. Uh, you know. I think more. Um, I think as the season's gone on, they've they've shifted some people around in some positions in that defensive secondary, and it's uh, it's it shored things up a little bit more. They're a much better tackling team. I'm curious to see. I've actually had this game circled for a while to see if the defensive secondary has made improvements from really the Alabama game when they got torched by a. a okay passing attack you know not, not there's there's been passing attacks that have been better that they've seen i think Ole miss has a better passing attack than alabama does so i'm uh, curious to see if if they've improved or if it's just been a matter of they haven't really played great offenses over since they've played alabama over the last week or at least great passing offenses 
How do you grade, Travis, the performance by Max Johnson? Uh, he's completing, what, just shy of 60%, eight touchdowns, four picks. How has he been? You know, I, I think he would be the envy of just about any team in the SEC when it comes to having a backup quarterback. If you're going to have a starter injured, man, there's there's few teams that are going to have a guy as good as Max Johnson to step in there and 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 cover cover the the vacancy. That being said, he he has been a backup the entire time he's been uh, at A and M, and he doesn't quite have the playmaking ability that Connor Wegman had, and he's not so great at the off-platform throws. Um, and he tends to stick with that first uh, read, the first progression in his progression, a little bit too long sometimes, which for having an offensive line that isn't really great at pass blocking can really uh, jeopardize things. And so he certainly has done enough to win some SEC ball games, which is a, a pretty good quarterback. But but there are some flaws in his game, especially when it comes to holding onto the ball just a little bit too long. And then there's those plays where if you're going to sneak out a couple more wins, you're going to get yourself into the, into the playoff uh, conversation. Those those off platform, rolling around, making plays, kind of the the maybe the Johnny Manziel esque stuff. Connor Wegman had a little bit of the him that in him. Max Johnson doesn't, and so you're not going to sneak a, a, a few extra yards, a few extra passes, a big play uh, out of Max Johnson like you would Connor Wegman. So very, you know, very very steady quarterback, but um, not somebody who's going to probably uh, beat, steal a game for you. Travis, last thing for you: the the combination of Evan Stewart and Anaya Smith. In, in whichever order you want to put them, one of the better one-two punches at wide receiver in the SEC. Have those two been good enough, considering how skilled and how talented they are? I think so, because I think that most of AM's problems lie with the offensive line. Uh, and if you have poor pass blocking, it, there's not much receivers can do um, in that. I actually think that at times Bobby Petrino hasn't uh, schemed for poor offensive line play good enough, well enough, and, and has uh, called a lot of long-developing plays um, that, that forces the, um, the, the offensive line to, to stay in blocking longer. Uh, you, they have the speed with Evan Stewart to get behind the secondary. They have um, the, the, the route-running ability with Nice Smith to get behind the, the defensive secondary, but I don't know if they have the offensive line to do that regularly. I, I think they sometimes would be better served with a little bit more of a short passing game, especially to get Max Johnson into a rhythm. I haven't seen a whole lot of that so far this season. So I think that they're doing everything they can that with what they've been given. Um, it's just, you know, they can't, they can't get on the offensive line and block, and they can't call the plays. So uh, it makes life a little bit difficult on them. But, yeah, two, two, great, uh, two great athletes, and especially Nias Smith, is, is, as much as he could, kind of put them on his back the last couple of weeks and try to, to pull them into a win. Certainly going to be a big one on Saturday in Oxford, Texas A&M and Ole Miss at 11 o'clock on ESPN. Travis, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up, and uh, hopefully we can talk again soon. Sure thing. Thanks. Travis Brown from the uh, Bryan College Station Eagle covers Texas A&M. We'll take a timeout. We're back with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios.
the broadcasting of the Disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Back on Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Holly Jolly Holidays is on the way. And the ice skating rink is back. And tons of other activities are back. We'll tell you more about those in the coming days. We do remind you, though, that to uh, keep up with everything, especially during the holiday season that is happening in and around Oxford, be sure to follow all of their social media channels at Visit Oxford MS. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. X, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Oh, wait. I mean, they've changed it, hey, Dad. Like, it, it's officially changed. Why do you shake your head every time? Well, why, why can we not hear, hey, Dad? That's a him problem. Ah, oh, good grief. I don't know. Hey. I don't know. Oh, yeah, you just pressed a button, and you're like, I don't know. I, I turned it down to sneeze while you were doing the interview. So Bless I you. Hadn't done it back uh, so anyway, Kazunta. I don't care what that guy wants to call it. Thank you. Uh, I, I'm going to call it Twitter. It's like, you know, does mama call him Clay? I'm going to call him Clay. It's kind of the same thing, you know? Okay. Fair enough. Um, you can join us on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Travis said a couple of things that caused me to raise my eyebrows a bit. There was... I'm not putting words in his mouth. An insistence may not be the right word, but multiple times he went back to Connor Wegman being an outstanding quarterback in the SEC. I liked Connor Wegman in the limited amount of time that we saw him a year ago as a freshman. Did he make enough strides in the offseason? Did you see enough from him in the first four games this year before he was injured? to put him in that elite category and mention him in the same breath in any characterization as Johnny Manziel? No. I think he's a good young quarterback. I think he's going to be a good player. If they, if he was healthy, uh, they might have had a better chance to beat Tennessee. They might have had a better chance to, to, to beat Alabama. But I no, he, he's not an elite quarterback. He's just he's a good quarterback. Yeah, and that that line of thinking. Well, there's a lot coming back. It, the only way I can wrap my mind around that is if they're wondering if they have the money, and so that's how they, that's how it's got to be sold. I think that's reasonable. Yeah, I I, I really do. Because you can, to some people anyway, not everybody's going to buy it, but you can sell, look at what all is returning, and don't forget, 
how many people in America could lose their starting quarterback and still make it to a bowl game? People would buy that. They shouldn't, but they would. I, I, I think part of the reason that I asked the buyout question the way I did was we're all quick to spend other people's money. Oh, they'll, they'll find the money. Oh, price of oil. $76 million is an astronomical amount of money, even for really, really, really rich people. And getting like 70 10 millionaires. people, getting 10 people to stroke a check for $7.6 million just to make somebody go away, not to get any tangible benefit from. We've never is asking a uh, we've lot. never brought we've never brought hand raise guy into the meetings for these coaches contracts. Maybe we need to. Maybe somebody needs to raise their hand and go. What if it goes bad? <laughs> We're going to have to pay him $80 million. Do we have that money? Is that money laying around ready to go at a moment's notice? I mean, David Ripley says, oh, they've got the money. Well, I mean, does Texas A&M have boosters who have the ability to write a check to make a coach go away, even if that check is $75 million? Of course they do. But convincing something, somebody to write that check is a different thing. When my HVAC went out this summer, my outdoor unit, I had to get a new one. I paid for it. I didn't have the money to pay for it. And, and I, like, I paid for it. I had the money. I, I bought the unit and paid for it with the money that I had. I could afford it, but I really couldn't afford it. That was a crippling financial thing that happened to me because of how expensive they are. By the way, Ross yesterday in his report about uh, coaches on the hot seat said to buy out Jimbo and staff and buy out the whatever candidate that they want to hire would exceed $125 million. It's not just firing Jimbo. Can't forget that. Yeah. It's the whole staff. Five o'clock hour just around the corner. College football fix. We're going to start things off with Bill Bender from the Sporting News, and we will roll from there. More coming up with you. Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. Check the fire. Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour with you. Today for the College Football Fix, we're going to visit with Bill Bender. The College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford tough. Bill joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Bill, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for agreeing to visit. Uh, so anything happening in uh, in Ann Arbor these days? <laughs> yeah, every day. It's like the everyday. Uh, I was telling people I wasn't alive during Watergate, but this is the college football version of it because it's like every day you have a new wrinkle to this, so you're like, how did that happen? Um, 
How bad is it, Bill? Um, not as, it's in between. It's not like you see people tweeting death penalty, they're wasting their time. It's not going to happen. You tweet, see people tweeting, nothing's going to happen. This is nothing burger. I don't think it's quite that either. It's something in between. And, you know, the NCAA is going to drag its feet like it normally does. But, I mean, the Big Ten's worth watching. See if Tony Petiti issues some kind of, if these allegations are proven true. And, and they're still allegations, right? The Big Ten hasn't even launched an investigation yet. So I don't know where people are jumping to these conclusions, right? Yeah. Um, have you talked to coaches at other programs, assistant coaches, head coaches, or otherwise, and gotten their reaction? It's it's widespread. I mean, you know, there's a lot of anger across the Big Ten, and with good reason, if this is true. If it's And it's basically the art of sign-stealing is, is part of the game. But it, they – if these allegations are true, they took it too far. It's just a question of who took it too far, and it, Jim Harbaugh can still be punished for that. But if you're really reading between the lines here, I mean, I think he's coming back. I don't think he's going to the NFL. And, and I'll, I'm going on record as saying that. I mean, a lot of smoke around this contract extension happening, he's either ready for a fight or – this out. And then there was the kind of odd tweet today from the uh, president or chancellor where he said, I'm with this team. That, that was kind of it was weird timing on that, I thought. Whether it's weird or not, I, they're, they're going to stick with them is what I'm thinking. And that's kind of what I'm reading between the lines. Um, it, it, I, don't, I don't think they're going to suspend this team during the season. Could it lead to vacated wins later? Maybe. Could it lead to – but I just don't – maybe it's my cynical brain at work, but I just – and I've said this a lot over the last three weeks, I just don't see the Big Ten or the NCAA taking this team off the field. I, I, I don't. I don't see the – J.J. McCarthy's like right there with – do you think they're going to pull the Heisman front, Trophy frontrunner out of a season where they're going to play Ohio State in a few weeks in a game that 20 million people might watch? I have my doubts. Yeah, that, that, that seems unlikely. It does. I was talking to a coach about this recently, and, and he was quick to kind of do what you did when you said allegations. And he said, if it's true, it's about the worst thing that you can do. He said, now, I'm not talking about sign stealing. He's like, everybody does that, and if you don't change your signs and you get caught, that's on you. That's a you problem. Right, but, but if you're funding someone within your program to go on site and video stuff and take notes and sneak around, then this coach looked at that far differently than what is just viewed as part of the game. Well, and keep in mind, and, and I know Boo Corrigan last night said this won't be part of the playoff. You know, it's an NCAA issue, not a college football playoff issue, but it could become a college football playoff issue down the line. And remember, who's on the – Michigan athletic directors on the committee, by the way. Um, <laughs> but those coaches and ADs, coaches in particular, may have some strong feelings on that. You know, Jim Grubb's on the committee. He's probably the most yeah. highly respected coach I can think of. And I know Jim because he was down at OU when I was at OU, and he is 
I, I don't. There's not a. I'll put it to you this way, Richard. I, there's not a coach out there I respect more than Jim, and he's on the committee, and he may have strong feelings on that. Yeah, you you may be onto something there. We got our first college football playoff rankings last night. I, I didn't think there was a, a lot to argue about. We kind of talked through those earlier today. My overall feeling was, man, I wish we had a 12-team playoff this year because this would be great. I'd love to have an eight this year. I think an eight would be perfect because I don't know that, like, you know, if I, I think if we had eight, it'd make that seven through 11 range even more exciting because if you're sitting there like Old Miss, you still, you're 10, but you're in decent shape if we have eight. You know, Penn State, you're, you're 11, but you beat Michigan, you're right back in the mix. And I, I've always thought eight was the best number. But, like, you, you know what? One of the things about these rankings, they used to be an event and we'd get all bent out of shape and everybody would overreact. And I remember how viral it was the first couple of years. Oh, yeah. That anymore. I think we're just kind of, I mean, I can tell you from a traffic standpoint, it's like that. People aren't, I think we just kind of knew who the four would be or who the top ten would be, and it wasn't that big of a deal last night. And, and it's taken us a few years, Bill, but I think everybody finally has come to the realization that it, it doesn't matter in October or November 1st or October 31st. We, we, like, it's good to know where you are from a, like a position standpoint. But all this stuff's going to sort it out over the next five weeks. Yeah, but I, I still enjoy it. I do. I know my boss doesn't. My boss is like, why do people get all bent about these? And I said, well, it's fun. You know, it's, I like having numbers yeah. next to teams. And I know Boo Corrigan also said that uh, it's a clean sheet of paper every week. They, they say that all the time. But it's still a fun clean sheet of paper. It gives us 25 teams to look at it, changing the dynamic of the season a little bit because we stop caring about Stop caring, but I mean the AP pool becomes the college football playoff ranking. I still look look at the AP pool because I, I think it to me it's always been it's two different gauges of how to look at these teams. So you have to look at both. All right, based on we, we've got a, a really sexy slate of games this weekend. Based on the numbers by the names and nothing else, more likely to pull the upset this weekend: Kansas State over Texas or Oklahoma State over your Sooners. Even, even, I think could, both of them could happen. I mean, oh, there's not a, I've said this a couple times this week, there's not a team stepping into a more hostile environment this weekend than the Oklahoma Sooners, with that being the last installment. And could you imagine if Ole Miss and Mississippi State had a final egg bowl mm. for the foreseeable future, what the road team would be facing? It's going to be unprecedented. And I think they're in for it there. Kansas State's playing really good ball, too. 41-3, nothing last two weeks, going to yeah. Texas, playing a backup quarterback. Longhorns better be careful. All right, let me do it again. Based on the numbers by their names, more likely to pull the upset, USC over Washington or LSU over Alabama? Ooh. USC, I'm going against the green there. I think Alabama's going to win. I think Alabama's going to slow LSU down a little bit, and they're at home. And I know there's a lot of value in the Tigers there. I think Alabama's going to win. We'll not be surprised at all if USC beats Washington in a ridiculous 46-43 type game. Uh, because neither one of those teams has stopped the run the last three weeks. And I'm the added wrinkle of Caleb Williams and Michael Penix and that NFL draft kind of wrinkle to it, right? And Caleb Williams is going to be at his best ball on Saturday. 
Yeah, maybe he'll even get an ownership stake in uh, an NFL team based <laughs> on how he plays this week. We'll uh, we'll see. Um, what do you make of the the Texas A and M Ole Miss game in Oxford? Eleven a.m. kickoff on ESPN, coming right out of game day at uh, at Vault Hemingway. I don't know why that spread's so low. So maybe you got to tell me something. Uh, that why is this so tricky? It, it, to me, it looks pretty straightforward. That if Ole Miss doesn't turn the ball over, keeps that running game going with Quinchon around Jackson Dart. Uh, that they should be fine, but that line is trick, tripping me up a little bit. That they're giving Texas A&M more than just a fair chance to go in there and win. So I think it's a take care of business game for the Rebels, who are probably all those teams I talked about last night. I'm glad we're on because I didn't get to talk about them much. They are the least talked about top ten team. They're under the radar, and if LSU beats Alabama, they're in very good position as long as they continue to take care of business. So. uh yeah, I like the Rebels to win and along in the top ten there. So we do a segment uh, called the Fishy Line of the Week. W- would that be yours, Ole Miss favorite only by three? Tricky, yeah. That That's one. Um, what other one in that top 25? I mean, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's tricky to me. They're daring you there. I mean, the, the fact that Oklahoma is six points on the road and all those things I mentioned – but they're also, you know, Mike Gundy's 3-15 and 15 against Oklahoma. So it's really hard for me to read that line because, in theory, I'm like, man, Oklahoma State's been on fire the last four weeks. Their running back's awesome. They should cover that. But Oklahoma could just as easily bounce back and beat them by two touchdowns. Bill, our time is always too short. I appreciate you spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. and look forward to talking to you again soon. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Bill Bender from the Sporting News joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. More coming up with you right after this. The Sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Enjoy our visits with uh, Bill Bender. Just kind of a refreshing voice yeah. on college football. Loves the game. He's not clickbaity at all. He's got his opinions, stands by them. Says that he thinks that uh, Jim Harbaugh will be back at Michigan next year. You referenced the tweet from the president of the University of Michigan. This is his Hugh Freeze moment. If you have facts about a violation, contact OleMissCompliance.edu. He shares a picture today and says, Team 144 are our team. And here's a quote. Deep down, your players must know that you care about them. This is the most important thing. They know in the long run that I'm in their corner. In the picture is the guy that... Connor Stallions is in the picture! He's in it! The guy that was running... A college football espionage, as Haydad put it yesterday, who has been caught all over the country funding all of this, using it to relay signs to, to the coaches on the staff, and has now been caught on the sidelines of Central Michigan and possibly wearing sunglasses with a video camera inside of him, is in the photo. <laughs> 
<laughs> you think that photo was just taken? Or is that no. an older photo? So somebody did analysis. Uh, this picture was taken likely two weeks ago. Because it was posted somewhere two weeks ago. But everybody's wearing like cold gear in the picture. So it can't be any earlier. But it was posted right before this broke. But the president of the university shared it today. And Connor Stallions is in the picture. Yeah. Are you buying the sunglasses with the camera in them? Do you think it's that deep? I want to buy it. I, 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 yeah, I, I, want, I want to believe it. Yeah. Did you see the sure. video that, that we're referencing, Richard? Yeah. So the, it was, it was at night. The sideline in the central mission. Kind of want for it to be true. Yeah. So yeah. There, there's only, uh, up until last night, been still well, I mean, images Ray of... Charles Car- wears sunglasses at night. Uh, yeah, well, Stallions so appears Corey to... Hart. Yeah. Stallions appears to have his vision. I mean, he's got the play sheet with the signals on it, but so up until this point, you're not really sunglasses when you're blind. You know, the the, the sun's I'm not really aware. an issue. Thank you, thank you, sir. <laughs> Just making sure we're all. The I mean, there was a page. song about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Corey Hart. Yeah. yeah, good song. Also, classic YouTube video using the beat of that song. My new haircut. Ooh, o- OG days of YouTube, yeah. but. Anyway, so for those of you that, that have not seen this, hey, Dad and I talked about yesterday the, the images of Connor Stallions on the sideline disguised as a Central Michigan coach scouting Michigan State the Friday night before Michigan's season opener. So he drove 60 miles to, to East Lansing and was disguised as a Central Michigan staffer, clearly looking across the field. Josh Pate looked at one of the videos and noticed something about Mr. Stallions as he was looking over the shoulder of somebody else to see uh, Michigan State's sideline. Number one, he had dark sunglasses on, and it was at night. game was at night. Nobody else had sunglasses on. He did. And you could see a light in the corner of his sunglasses. A light, like reflecting out of the, not not the lenses, but the frames of the sunglasses. And he did a quick Google search and found that there are absolutely the exact same sunglasses that he was wearing that have video recording capability that shines a light from that corner of the sunglasses. We're, we're, we're certain that it couldn't be like, you know, stadiums have lights at night, that it couldn't be like a reflection. Uh, could have been. The song is not stadium lights at night. It's sunglasses at night. So it's mm. totally different. By the way, Richard, when, when you saw this picture of him with the shades and he changed his facial hair, was your first thought the same as mine, Bobby Valentine, when he got thrown out of the game and came out with a fake came mustache? Back in that was the, the first thing I thought of. Yeah, that was the first style. thing I thought of. Yeah, he's just sitting there looking around like, what's going on? Do you know how good the weather's going to be in Starkville on Saturday night? Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I know that was a complete non sequitur. Complete non sequitur. But yes, yeah, it's gonna be nice. I'm excited. I have 73, low of 43. So what? Kickoff's gonna be like 58 and falling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's chilly. It's all said and done. Yeah. Same same thing in Oxford. Abundant sunshine. 11 a.m. kickoff. Be what in the mid 60s at kickoff in Oxford on uh, on Saturday, and then climb to about. I don't know, low 70s during the game? Oh, that is so good. So good.
Hey, the, uh, so now, returning to pre-non-sequitur, you got the audio handy from uh, from Jim McElwain? He was asked about Connor Stallions on their sideline, wasn't he? He, he was, and so here he is post-game. I, I think he wasn't even asked. I think he went ahead and, and just led with this last night after their game. Yeah, before we go any farther, uh, we Bobby's are aware of a uh, picture floating around so with the the uh, the sign stealer guy. Um, you know, our people are doing everything they can to get to the bottom of it. Um, we're unaware, totally unaware of it. Uh, I certainly don't condone it uh, in any way, shape, or form. And. Uh, you know, I do know that his name was on none of the passes that were let out. Um, now we just keep tracing it back and tracing it back and try to figure it out. But it's in good hands with our people. Um, and again, uh, you know, there, there's there's no place in football for that. So what we learned there is he was using a pass issued to somebody else. Because that was kind of the question yesterday is how did he get there? Hey, and I theorize that he bribed somebody or paid a low-level staffer to get his stuff. And there is some crossover with McElwain staff and being at Michigan. And, and there are people that he has worked with on that staff. So, so that adds up. But we did learn that he, he was using something that wasn't his to gain access to the sidelines, if McElwain is telling the truth. I wish he had started the press conference off. First off, before we do anything else, that was me with the shark. <laughs> I just want to clear I just up. wish he'd clear that up. I just wish he'd clear it up at this point. Hmm. Um, the Athletic ran a story hold, where they... Hold, hold on a second. Now. Hold on a second. If, if Michigan is going to the trouble of paying for and instructing this guy to go places and get signals and whatever. I mean, it's not beyond the realm to think that they could have made a pass that got him on the field. I mean, he had a network of dudes all over the country. I'm sure it's pretty easy to to make a badge like that. Maybe you get one of your buddies on the staff to send you, hey, what does it look like? Yeah. Or you just yeah they, the 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 cardboard ones are easy to you would think yeah you, know, you can't you can't duplicate the ones that are laminated and on a lanyard and all that but sure you the, could the ones if if you could but that's not now we're getting into you know that, that's a specialty the the cardboard stuff is a is a photocopy almost yeah but I mean if you get a high quality image of it all you got to do is print the thing off and then get it laminated and boom you're good to go. But you gotta have the lanyard too. I gotta have a lanyard that says Michigan State Athletics or something. Nothing to that. You know, I guess at this point, you know, with the amount of time and, and money that's been invested in it, you're probably right. Based I mean, on that, the pictures, it is a very thin maroon lanyard that does not appear to have any writing on it, just like a string. Uh-huh. Now you see. Yeah. Curtin Tupelo says, um, are there others doing this too? So that's not doing this. No. And the athletic uh, interviewed 50 college football coaches, anonymously, of course, to gauge 
like what they thought and and is this normal and the overwhelming majority of them were like this is in no way shape or form normal it's really bad some of them were like it's really stupid but you know not catastrophic and almost nobody was like ah no big deal this happens all the time it's very much different at least according to that and Richard you talk to a coach yourself because of how they were going about this makes it very different yeah yeah. I mean, the, the coach that I talked to went so far as to tell me that, look, we have staff members that go back and they watch the TV copy of every game that we play in to see what signs you can pick up from watching the television copy of our game. And anything that you can pick up we change before the next game. And if you don't, you're dumb. Not to mention coaching staffs have assistants on other, like the network of coaches is kind of small. Like people know what other people's signals are, and so you have to change them all the time. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com or in person inside the Golden Moon at the sportsbook. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky. Sports Talk brought to you every day in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find Genteel Apparel at men's specialty stores across the state of Mississippi, including Harry Meyer in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, S.F. Aldman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia, and the Country Gentleman in Greenville. You can also go to their website, genteelapparel.com. Get your order today. As we get close to the holiday season, you're trying to come up with the perfect gift for dad or uncle or grandpa or brother or nephew, look no farther. Great golf shirts, great pullovers, great outerwear. The pants are fantastic. The shorts are great. Everything that they have, at least everything that they have that I've worn, I love. Uh, It feels good. It's durable. It looks good. And uh, they'll take care of you. Great Mississippi company uh, who... Would love to do business with you. Genteelapparel.com. All right, Borky, you had questions about Ole Miss and Mississippi State. So uh, what, especially this time of year, I'm I'm interested in, something I think about a lot, is the consequences or the benefits of a win and a loss. And so let's look at Ole Miss and, and State this weekend. We did a lot of of the Arnett stuff yesterday, so so there might be a bit of rehashing there that the consequences of a loss for Mississippi State make 
you know, going to a bowl game more difficult, but it's more program stuff, uh, yeah. which, you know, is certainly fair. So let's do it from both sides for both. If Mississippi State wins on Saturday, what do they gain? What are the consequences of a loss? If Ole Miss wins on Saturday, what is gained from a win? And what are the consequences if they lose? And, you know, some people would say, well, it's always good if you win, bad if you lose, etc. Ole Miss gained nothing from beating Vanderbilt on Saturday. Nothing. There's nothing to be gained there. You just win and move on. A loss would have been catastrophic. Next weekend, against Georgia, a loss is certainly not catastrophic. So it's different on a weekly basis. What is it this weekend? I'd say the only thing that they gained last weekend was the ability to continue to have bigger games each week. Um, Hey, Dad, let's start with State. um, What can Mississippi State gain from a win this weekend over Kentucky? It It would depend on what kind of win it is. You know, another ugly, you know, thirteen to ten kind of game. I don't think State really uh, they gained the win, and that's about it. If State were to come out and put together the kind of performance that, quite frankly, they haven't put together since they beat Arkansas in that in the middle of the last season. I mean, when was the last time State had a Power Five win where they you thought they played really well? You know, think of think about the end of last season, right? They beat Auburn in overtime. That was an ugly game. The Egg Bowl was an ugly game. The bowl game was an ugly game. And now you're into this season. So can they play can they play, you know, start to finish, win the game convincingly, look, you know, convincing doing that? Can Arnett be down there on the sidelines looking involved, looking engaged? Can, can he can he you know look like he, he he's 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 got some some give a you know, you know what? If that can happen, then then maybe some of the heat can can you know you can turn down the burner a little bit. But if you don't have that, then you, you're, we're just back here on Monday talking about the exact same things. I don't even know if it's going to be convincing, but it's got to be con- clean and it's got to look like football, right? I mean, if Mississippi, if, if Kentucky came in and played really well, and Mississippi State played really well, and let's say State won a 27-24 game. Like 27-24 could be really, really ugly, or it could be that was a great football game. I, I would say, like short term, though, just a little bit of peace. Right? You, you you get to go back and you get to have that celebratory locker room. You get to feel better about yourself. Maybe some of the conversation cools off about the future of the program and the future of Zach Arnett, and you just kind of get to take a deep breath. Then on the other side, if it's a loss, and I don't know if it matters what kind of loss it is, ugly loss, pretty loss, close loss, lopsided loss, just if it's a loss, Mm -hmm. everything gets louder. Everything gets ramped up. Yeah. I mean, we've had... Two articles this week about coaches on the hot seat that had Zach Arnett in them. Uh, you had, I think, it's not an article, but Bud Elliott from CBS Sports talked about Zach Arnett today. I mean, the noise is already getting loud, and you know, no matter how some try to try to deflect that, it, it, it's it's quite obvious now that the word is out on the street that 
Zach Arnett is in trouble if he doesn't get this team going in the right direction. Marcelo's article, Brandon Marcelo wrote an article about it today, and his he had an interesting point where he said a one and two finish might not be enough. Now one and two uh, assumes a win over USM. He was talking about Kentucky, A and M, and Ole Miss. That's the first time I've seen someone just come out and say, "Hey, six and six in a bowl game, and it still might happen for Mississippi State. It still might be a change in the uh, in the leadership." Yeah. And I heard some of the show yesterday and you guys talking about why that might be the case and, you know, what it could mean long term and, you know, whether or not you're delaying the inevitable. And I think all those things are relevant. You know, our, I feel like we're talking about it and talking around it without being completely disrespectful because there are still four games to play and the results on the field matter. And, and I do get the sentiment that, well, the outcome of one game, I mean, the outcome of the Kentucky game, for example, shouldn't necessarily change your mind one way or the other about what you believe the direction of the program is. And I get that to a degree, but we're also in the scoreboard business. And if you're going to just discount conference wins just out of hand and say, well, we're going to penalize you if you lose this, but you get no credit for winning it, then... That feels a little disingenuous also. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, what about for Ole Miss? I think Saturday's huge. I, I know, mm-hmm. you know, Bill said Ole Miss is the least talked about top ten team. Borky, you pointed out that A&M at Ole Miss is not a game that on this Saturday slate grabs people nationally and they're like, ooh, I gotta watch that. But from an old Miss perspective, it is massive. Ole Miss wins that game. Lane Kiffin will move to three and zero against Jimbo. Remember, there was the uh, they didn't play in twenty twenty because COVID. Kind of believe what you want about that. Um, Not about COVID, about why that game was canceled. Let's clear that up real yeah. quick. Well, you know, believe believe <laughs> what you want about all of the above. Hey, that's making that's sure right. we are not getting canceled. I'm, I, you know, I'm we just going to – we'll just steer clear of that all the way around. Um, And I think, I think that matters because clearly Jimbo is – I mean, Lane Kiffin has done more than needle the bear – I think, as Travis said earlier today, I mean, he's just taking a baseball bat and, like, broadsided him, but done it with a smile on his face while complimenting him the whole time. Yeah, Jimbo's a bear in the sense that uh, a panda is a bear. If you see one in the wild, you're like, oh, so cute, instead of, oh, my gosh, run. Said it'll rip your face off. It is literally a bear. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But more importantly than that, it's quality win. It gets you to eight and one. It virtually guarantees that you don't have a finish to the season like you had a year ago. You got a lot of momentum as a program. It sets up what feels like kind of a free shot against Georgia. It gives you the opportunity for like to keep your team completely locked in and engaged. Like there's a lot that a win does for Ole Miss. It essentially guarantees you nine. I mean, they're not losing to Louisiana Monroe. Correct. 
Correct. And kind of makes the the floor the Citrus Bowl. I don't think Ole Miss has ever played in that game. No. So, on the flip side, a loss could be, it doesn't end your season by any stretch, but I think it could be emotionally devastating. Because it's like you're rolling along and things are going well and there was a chance to get a big one there and you didn't quite get it done. Doesn't derail everything. Doesn't take away that opportunity to get to nine wins or theoretically ten wins. But I don't think that's the feeling you want going into Athens the following week. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Legendary men's basketball coach Bob Knight has passed away at the age of 83. His birthday was about a week ago. Uh, October 25th, he turned 83. A statement from the Knight family. It's with heavy hearts that we share that Coach Bob Knight passed away at his home in Bloomington, surrounded by his family. We're grateful for all the thoughts and prayers and appreciate the continued respect for our privacy. His coach requested a private family gathering which is being honored. We will continue to celebrate his life and remember him today and forever as a beloved husband, father, coach, and friend. When he began his coaching career, he was the youngest Division I coach in history at 24 years old at uh, Army West Point and had a really good run over six years there, took the Indiana job in um, 1971, He won 662 games at Indiana and three national championships, including the last undefeated team in college basketball, the 1976 Indiana Hoosiers. So they won the title in 76, 81, and 87. 662 and 239 from 1971 through the 2000 season. He was let go by Indiana after after violating what the school determined or... um, the school called a zero-tolerance behavior policy. Uh, he grabbed the arm of a student who referred to him as Knight, not Coach or Mr. or Sir, anyway. Um, had a bunch of issues, but there is no doubt he is one of the greatest college basketball coaches ever before being passed in 2011 by his protege to some extent, Mike Krzyzewski. He was the winningest coach in men's college basketball history. And um, had dealt with Alzheimer's in his uh, in his later years. Uh, after being fired from Indiana, six months later he was hired at Texas Tech. Was there six years led them to five twenty win seasons. It was a remarkable on the court career that was uh, also checkered by incidents on and off the court uh, along the way. But absolutely one of the best ever. And uh, Mike Shashevsky. Um, spoke glowingly of him, played for him at Army, and went on to uh, coach under him and then um, maintained a 40-year friendship 
as well. So Bob Knight passing away at the age of 83. Sports Talk Mississippi with be you a, uh, in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Do you think there'll ever be another undefeated team? Do there'll ever be another undefeated college basketball team? We got close, 91, with UNLV, lost in the championship game. Well, Kentucky was undefeated going when they lost in the Sweet 16. Yeah, in the Final Four. Yeah, well, yeah was four. it Elite Eight? I don't know. They lost to Wisconsin. I remember that. And then when Gonzaga was undefeated, right? And lost to yes. Baylor? In the championship game? Is that right? In the championship game, yeah. Yeah, I Which think eventually we'll get it again. Yeah. You think so? I think so. Uh, I, I, it's really hard to do. Yeah, and, and with the emergence <laughs> of the, the G League deciding to take the elite, not all of them, some of them are still going to college, but the elite high school prospects and giving them like a prep year, essentially, wonder if it's going to be harder to amass the kind of starting five that are all going to play in the NBA-type roster. Yeah, I don't think it will happen from a team that has one-and-done type players. I think it'll be one of these teams. No, I agree with that. that. You know, like they've Gonzaga. got a couple of young contributors, but then they've also got older guys. Yeah. If, if Jay Wright were still at Villanova, I might say he could coach an undefeated team. Yeah. Yeah, like I agree Gonzaga. Yeah. I know because of the legacy of John Wooden, it feels like low-hanging fruit to say UCLA, but I don't generally think of the Pac-12 as... Now, going to the Big Ten, maybe not. Mick Cronin's a really good coach. I was going to say, Mick Cronin has the right demeanor, I think, to to do that. Kansas, maybe. I don't know how much longer Bill Self goes. That's that's a team that... They get some one-and-done guys, though, so I don't know. They do, and that's such a hard They have the veterans at that level. Hey, when we get finished here in just a couple of minutes, you've got Thunder and Lightning coming up, hosted by Brian Hayden, all Mississippi State, for the next hour. What's on tap tonight? I don't have time to do a promo, but I am going to talk to uh, with the, the celebration of the 1998 season. Former Bulldog Robert Bean will join me. Uh, he had a he was an All SEC player in uh, 1998, and of course, he's famous for the uh, the kick part of the kick and the pick in 1999. Uh, and the famous Egg Bowl there. So looking forward to talking to Robert about some great memories at Mississippi State. Plus some of the bad stuff we got to talk about when he's not on with us. It's going to be great. A little bit of hoops? you going to mix in just a little bit of hoops? Well, we'll get some hoops. We'll get some hoops for sure. Chris Jans and the Bulldogs begin their season on the hardwood. Get some pictures of uh, Humphrey Coliseum renovated as well. Floating around yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. So- you can really see the difference. Jeez. Be interested to see the new look hump when uh, it is fully open and ready to go. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studio. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.